a listener production. This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. This is a podcast about international relations or something of significance going on in the world. Every week, Dr. Keith and I would choose something that is worth talking about, disseminating, and then we talk about it. Well, you know, I ask silly questions at times, and this gentleman, the all-knowing wise one, explains everything and breaks it down to make it really easy to understand for anyone, regardless of what your knowledge and your background is on these sorts of topics. Dr. Keith Suda, we've worked together for a number of years as well, Dr. Keith and I. So without further ado, let's get into this week's topic, and that is that so obviously the border in America has always been a very contentious issue, Keith, yep. um, and particularly in the Trump era because of the rhetoric about Mexicans and being murderers and all sorts of headline-grubbing antics. Mm. But it is a crisis for the ages. It is. The article I've been reading, which was published a few weeks ago, uh, is by Todd Miller, and he calls it the border crisis is forever, not because there's a huge number coming through necessarily, but because you've got so many big corporations making money, exploiting people's fears about the influx of people coming in from uh, Central and Latin America. A very interesting article in the sense that, you know, in, in this program we look at the fact that politics is not about rational thinking, rational behaviour. Quite often when it comes to the voters, it's exploiting their fears and whipping up concerns about foreigners. Before we get into the American example, I should comment on the Australian one because for the last 20-odd years in Australia, it's been very useful to whip up a concern about people coming in as boat people. In fact, a very small number of people arrive in this country by boat. But the politicians on both sides have been able to whip up this fear that somehow we're being invaded by all these amateur sailors who are trying to get to this country. In fact, when you talk to international experts... They will just say, look, we don't treat Australia seriously because the numbers involved are so small. So in the case of Africa, for example, you can get 1.3 million people moving from one country to another as asylum seekers, particularly with all the conflicts in Africa. Whereas in Australia, we can go down to the exact number. We can count each one. We can name each one. We don't round it up to a million or whatever. So by international standards, Australia doesn't have an asylum seeker crisis. Which is quite, well, the amount of people who are up in arms about our policies on immigration and refugees, uh, well, when you compare us to other countries, it's almost laughable. It is, exactly it. So we have all these slogans like stop the boats, etc. If you're going to be an illegal entrant, you come in by air. You don't come in by boat. It's much too dangerous to risk the boat uh, compared with coming in. So... Let me get on to the United States because, as I've said, the Australians are not very rational when it comes to their crisis. The American situation is different because they clearly do have a large number of people who attempt to get into this country, but it peaked around the year 2007. So this would have been about the end of the Bush administration. And yet it's been a regular item, as in this country, with presidential campaigns about the number of people attempting to get into your country, particularly from the southern border. The northern border, which is with Canada, is the world's longest undefended border. So you can walk, if you know the area, from the United States into Canada. However, the southern border is the one that attracts all the attention. And, of course, the Trump campaign 
campaigned on the need to build the wall. And this guy, Todd Miller, who is a journalist, has written a lot about borders, particularly the American border, and I think lives in Arizona. So that's one of the areas where you get these people coming in from um, Mexico, etc. His article is, The Greater the Disaster, the Greater the Profits. He was intrigued by the fact that for last year's presidential election, much more money went from companies involved with the war went to Biden than from Trump. Right? So Trump is talking about the need to build the wall, build the wall. In the end, he built very little. He, the wall, some of the wall that uh, he rebuilt was simply adding on to an existing wall, <laughs> which had been there. So in a sense, it, it's a bit of a diversion. We're spending our time talking about Trump. The real issue, according to Todd Miller, which we have missed, is that you've got a number of corporations that make money out of people being scared about people crossing the border, and they're not interested in building walls. They're interested in high-tech solutions, and they are the ones who put money into Biden's campaign. Very interestingly, they were not supporting Trump. They gave money to Trump, but far more money went to Biden. So the, these are the big corporations, the Lockheeds, et cetera, of this world. They are the ones who are doing all the electronic monitoring. And really fascinating stuff in this article, as I say. The article is published by Tom Dispatch, which is um, a free, uh, almost daily, I think, newsletter from a veteran journalist. And he acts as a curator, so people supply him with materials. This is Tom Miller, the greater the disaster the greater the profits. He made a very interesting comment. See if you can tell me who said this. Our administration has moved aggressively to secure our borders, more by hiring a record number of new border guards, by deporting twice as many criminal aliens as ever before, by cracking down on illegal hiring, by barring welfare recipients to illegal aliens. Any idea who said that? Trump. It sounds Trump, doesn't it? But as Todd Miller in this article says, no, comes from Bill Clinton, no. 1995. Right. So if you if you look at the sort of the trajectory of this issue, so Clinton, who was elected now almost 30 years ago, it seems like yesterday if you're a dinosaur like me, Bill Clinton realised there was a problem with people coming in over the border. Bill Clinton was brilliant at playing to people's fears and so it was Bill Clinton who initiated the immigration deterrence system, which is basically still in place today. And this means that Washington just deployed armed agents, barriers and walls, as well as high-tech systems to block the traditional urban places where immigrants had once crossed. So it begins under Clinton, right? So Trump is the one who's focused attention on it because the media have always focused on Trump. But in fact, this began much earlier under Clinton and the figures were much higher under Clinton and Bush than they were under Trump. Wow. And, you know, one of the, the major reasons for the reduction in the number of people trying to get in the US has been the global financial crisis. People were being attracted to go to work in the United States because they could do... The, the cheap, lowly paid work, the dirty, unpleasant work, 
And yet when the global financial crisis came along, those opportunities declined. And so a lot of people actually left the United States. <laughs> they figured off they'd be better in Mexico than trying to continue to exist in the United States. But Trump was brilliant in the way that he was able to run a campaign and play to people's fears. And one of the ways in which he did it was to tap into this process, which began under Bill Clinton, of focusing on migrants coming in from the southern border. You're listening to Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. We're talking about the American border with Mexico today because it has always held so much significance uh, in terms of immigration and refugee policy over there. It's always been headline material, Keith, around the world, really. Yeah. And, I mean, as you say, probably if everyone cast their minds back, they would remember it being referenced, you know, because we still knew it was an issue before Trump. Yep. But then Trump exacerbated. But, but particularly, though, through the vernacular he used to describe the people coming through. I mean, it was quite out outrageous yeah. to, to say that they're all rapists and murderers and because yep. that's just just mind-boggling yeah. in itself. But it's interesting you say that about building the wall and that the numbers had declined earlier on. But, yeah. but xenophobia, playing on people's fears, has always been oh, absolutely. a way to control a population, yep. isn't it? And Trump did that brilliantly. You know, I, I regard Trump as one of the best campaigners we've ever seen in American politics. And his... Um, previous victory back in 2016 was the biggest election upset since 1948. So if you teach US politics as I do, you've got to go all that way back, 70 odd years back to find a bigger upset in US politics. So Trump is a genius at exploiting people. Not that I like him, but I'm just recognising talent when I see it. Whereas what this guy is arguing, this is Todd Miller, the border crisis is forever. What he's arguing, in fact, is look, Forget Trump. The issue has been around for over 30 years and there are companies that make money out of building the wall or at least building defence systems. So they got stepped up after 2001 with 9-11. No terrorist has ever entered the United States through Mexico. <laughs> I would have thought so, considering, you know, if you, if you profile them. That's right. You know, but nonetheless, part of the slogan for building the wall was to keep out the terrorists, but there was never a, a problem with it. So 450 miles of the wall that Trump built was actually simply adding another 15 feet of wall to make it up to 30 feet. So what he was doing was really just providing photo opportunities for the journalists. He really wasn't bringing about the big change. The big change has come about through the use of electronic monitoring, including possibly even drones that are flying over you as you're down on the border. And it's interesting that Joe Biden's nominee to run the Department of Homeland Security, Alexandra Mayorkas, had, before entering by the Biden administration, earned over $3 million from clients like Northrop Grumman and Lido's who were the top border contractors. So in a sense, this is a guy appointed by Biden to run the department that issues contracts to the companies that he used to work for when he was a lawyer. <laughs> well, it's not far from Trump's sort of behaviour, is it? Well, yeah, this, that's right. And, of course, this, you know, if you're a cynic, either a member of the Tea Party at one end of the spectrum or a member 
of the sort of left-wing group should say, this is just a sign of the political class putting money into other people's pockets. doesn't matter the label. They can be Democrat, Republican. They're all just putting money into the pockets of their mates. So he actually calls this the border industrial complex. Back in 1961, President Eisenhower, the outgoing president, gave a speech to Congress where he warned about the military industrial complex. He had seen through his decades in the US military how the US military had grown from being a very small force. So in 1940, for example, the US Army was smaller than that of the Army of Greece, had grown from this small force to this huge force with hundreds of bases around the world, totally unprecedented for the United States. And he said this was the military-industrial complex. In other words, we're spending money not really to defend the United States, but as an example of socialism. And in a sense, what this guy is talking about, we've now got a border industrial complex. So we have a complex now that makes money out of government contracts to companies that provide surveillance systems. They're able to, uh, I'm looking at some of the technology which they're using here. Interestingly, as the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq for the Americans have begun to decline. So the slogan that they're now using is, we are bringing the battlefield to the border. So the technology that they used in Iraq and Afghanistan, they're now bringing into the United States to protect the border. So this is the what he calls the border industrial complex. And so in effect, what he's saying is, um, look, even if you have a, a more moderate president, as you've got under Joe Biden, don't expect major changes because the impetus to spend money, billions of dollars, on the wall infrastructure. To permanently fix it. It's permanently fixed. Well, it's permanently there mm. to enable the donors to whoever's going to be president. As I say, Biden got more money out of these people than Trump did. Trump had poured a lot of money their way, but they knew that they could do even better under Biden. But if they permanently fix it, just say hypothetically, they paid for that wall at the end of the day, and then none of these people would be making money at all, would they? No, but so you're never going to fix it. No. <laughs> well, <laughs> and, yeah. and the problem is it's not only a question of, of technology, facial recognition technology, etc., all the stuff the Chinese have, have been pioneering, but there's also the question of, well, why do people make the move in the first place? And you've got earthquakes, you've got financial crisis, you've got criminals. Mexico is a narco state. A lot of other Central American countries are also run by drug dealers, criminal groups of one sort or another. And then you're going to have climate change. And so people will be on the move. We do not recognise in international law environmental refugees, but I think that that'll be the phrase that we use. In other words, people who are having to move, not because of political repression, not because of matters of ethnic background or political viewpoint, etc., which is the traditional definition of a refugee, but it's because people are simply losing their land. In the South Pacific, New Zealand has said that it does recognise environmental refugees and will take people on because the islands are disappearing. You know, we do get all this sort of film footage. There's now speculation as to which island will disappear first, and it may well be immediately to our north in Papua New Guinea. Uh, already when you walk along the sandy beach, the water comes up between your toes. It's a very spooky feeling that you're walking on water, in effect. And so the climate change is going to get worse. And even in the United States, we're now 
discussing which cities go under water. And the the one that's been identified so far has been Alaska. There's actually a town in Alaska where the water is rising and will eventually just drown the town in Alaska. And, of course, Florida may well become uninsurable. The insurance companies will just simply say, the weather patterns are now just so violent that we're not going to be able to insure you. So it is for therefore it's, it, for me it's interesting that the crisis at the border will continue uh, on the southern border. Uh, so we'll continue to have problems, and we will continue to have corporations making lots of money. So Trump talked a lot about building the wall. That's not really the issue. The issue is that you do have mass movements of people. They're a characteristic of this century because of climate change and war, etc. And at the same time, there are a number of corporations that are just rubbing their hands with glee. We're going to make a lot of money out of these disasters. This is what's called disaster capitalism. It's gone on for a long time, Keith. Exactly. Global Truths was presented by Dr. Keith Souter and me, Kate Mack. Produced by Matt Dwyer. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. Listener.